Good morning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. And I'm Zach. Gentlemen, it's actually been a couple weeks since I've seen either of you, which is really strange to say. Uh, so how are you guys doing? What's what's new? Uh, what's exciting? Nolan, we'll start with you. Tell me tell me something cool. I don't got a lot. It's been Dude, what the hell? <laughs> Sorry, man. Just a little bit of video games here and there waiting for stuff to come out. And uh, unlike Zach doing my best to avoid Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I'm trying to hold out till November. But I made the mistake of watching. They got all the uh, creators and voice actors together for kind of like a reunion yesterday, and just listening to them talk and 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 the passion. Oh my god! It's it it the best review I've seen for it so far is playing it now makes you pissed off because all other games this day and age just suck in comparison <laughs> like the story the detail not having to pay to win uh i don't know so that's that's going to be the thing that i probably work on next but yeah gosh and how about you zach uh i've been doing good i don't really have anything cool to talk about just oh oh no someone lit something on fire well, as luck would have it, <laughs> as soon as we get started, there's an emergency. Um, you guys got the show notes. Keep going, and I will get the show posted later today, and I will see you both this afternoon. Okay. That was good, man. Be safe. Be safe. All right. Someone had to light something on fire. Usually how it works, right? Right. Let's see here. I think I can do... There we go. Here won't be Patrick, though. Drop this down. There. There we go. Sorry. And transition scenes over and just do a two-person one. Alrighty. All right. So after that, um, let's see here. Patrick had some show notes for us today. Looks like we were off last week because of Mother's Day. And then have a whole lot of news this week. So that should be fairly quickly. Our topic of the night is Tolus Player's Guide and actually getting a chance to read through it. Uh uh and actually forcing myself to because I've been trying to avoid it because I know it's going to be a while before we play it. Uh, hasn't been any reason other than I don't want to get too excited about it when I know it's not very close to actually sitting down and playing. But uh, Dungeons & Dragons news for the week. Uh, let's see here. Dark Alliance uh, is coming to Game Pass. Zach, you were kind of talking about this a little bit. Can you tell us more? Yeah, just for people who don't know, Xbox has like a subscription service. It's like... I think they described it as Netflix for games. You know, you pay for the service. I think every Bethesda game is now on it. So you pay for the service. I don't even remember what it's like, 70 bucks a year. And you can just download and play the games. I don't have an Xbox, but it sounds like a good deal. Right. And I know that with them picking that up, uh, Microsoft picking up Bethesda, that really opened up. Um, I had the Xbox Pass there for a while just because it was like all the EA stuff was on there. Uh, so playing through Dragon Age and not having to like convert my old discs. Uh, so now between Dragon Age and Mass Effect uh, that I don't have to do anymore. Um, but yeah. then the entire uh, Elder Scrolls genre as well. It's a pretty darn good price point if you play games. It sounds it. And I don't, I don't have an Xbox, but... 
that's that's something that i would pay for because at that point it's like why not you know well that i think that was one of the things of i did it uh at first to play was it the outer world the outer realm uh it was kind of like a fallout style game uh, outer worlds and i probably wouldn't have touched it if it hadn't been for the free pass just because i wasn't going to spend 50 bucks on a game but it had some decent reviews and had it and tried it and it was fantastic yeah so so i think for dark alliance it's that's pretty good because it's just like free i mean someone has to be getting paid you know even if you know, the company only receives like a small commission for the number of downloads that happens. Just having it on their day one, it's a bunch of free eyes. And I don't know if the DLC that comes with games is free or if you have to purchase it, but. Might be enough I, to get you, get your claws in you and hopefully hook you. So I think that's good for Wizards, especially since this is, I think this is like their first kind of attempted a triple a game it's been a while uh it's been a long while since i feel like there's been one that's been out uh let's see next week we've got von richten's guide to ravenloft uh sounds like patrick has his copy coming into a local game store um and then zach picked that up for me as well for D beyond so looking forward to uh seeing what they add i know there's a lot of potential with that one there so hopefully we'll have a chance to read that and that'll be next week's topic i'm sure i know patrick loves that genre so yeah fond memories of ravenloft so well fond i'm gonna air yeah. quotes fond <laughs> died a few times there i don't know about fond is the right word uh looks like they have started filming on dungeons and dragon movie but that's about the only information i've seen on it uh, and then we did get a sneak peek. Um, I don't know if it was a spoiler or a, a teaser release of Tiamat for Magic the Gathering Adventures in Forgotten Realms. Uh, a couple of art yeah. styles there. Uh, looked like a, you know, on its own, a multicolored uh, dragon, which I think we all kind of expected it to be. Uh, a very interesting of once it lands, it summons uh, a dragon of each color uh, into your hand not into the world which i guess is nice but then gives you a kind of an opportunity to load up uh and then on top of that it's like a seven seven monstrosity so pretty interesting card for sure yeah i don't play magic so is that like i had asked you earlier like is that useful do you think people could like build decks around that or is it so out there I, and so like extravagant i think it's one of those things of i Knowing our area and our group, how popular Commander is. Um, with Commander, your legendary creature is your Commander, and then you can play any card color that's in its color sequence. So since it has all the colors, it kind of lets you just play whatever you want. The idea that you could go through your Commander deck, which is a one of everything, and pick out five dragons that you want into your hand, I feel like could really set you up. Um, but you would need to have some pretty solid uh, mana fixes to get it in quickly, I think, before you overrun. So it it's always one of those things of it looks strong. It just depends on what the other dragons are, too. You know, if they've got, uh, you know, if Tiamat lands and summons, you know, Icing Death, you know, and that's a good card. You know, that, that, that'll that be yeah. the, the friends that come with it, I think, will be what's interesting. Uh, looks like they also spoiled the artwork for the Vorpal Sword. 
Um, and I guess I, that was an area that I hadn't even thought of was equipment and magical items coming into the world. You know, I thought about spells and which creatures were going to show up. So yeah, I never would have even thought. Yeah. So I, I think that'll be interesting too. Uh, I like equipment in games. If you can get it equipped and throw it on a character and just watch them destroy everybody. I think it's pretty fun. Uh, Patrick had a note on here. Something I thought that was pretty cool was the basic land cards. There are adventure hooks. Let your Magic the Gathering inspire your D&D. Uh, this set is going to be released on July 22nd. It looks like there's going to be different options to purchase the set. Draft boosters, collector's boosters. Um, and so apparently there are more options than we are even aware of. But I like the idea that uh, you could pick up the land cards and have adventure hooks on it. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Okay. That sounds fun. What's what's the corporate speak for when all your different companies work together? Got you got peanut butter on my chocolate type situation. Yeah. <laughs> Synergy vertical integration, I think is what it's called. And I, I think there's told. a lot of opportunity there. I mean, I imagine it, you're at least working with a similar crowd there. People at least yeah. aware of one and the other. So hopefully we'll get some people into it. Um be curious to see price point on it. Uh, and again, we have the Lord of the Rings one coming as well. So that that one there is, you know, I don't know if that's as closely related and will get people inspired by both sides. But anyway, and, at least and, a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons news. And a 40K one as well, right? Yeah. So. That one I'm excited to see the artwork for. Uh, let's yeah, see here. Great. I don't Again, I'm... I'm not that into magic. So how do you feel as like a longtime magic player of this, like bringing in other, I'm going to call fandoms, you know, like I feel like, I felt like magic, the gathering had spent time developing their own kind of style and lore. And that there are other like trading card games trying to catch up. And so it feels strange for wizards to just be like, to let other people come into their kingdom. Like it sounds very magnanimous, but I just don't, how do you feel about it? Yeah. The, the, what's the, angle? my, my thought is at this point, magic is extremely old. I mean, it's a very old game in terms of staying power, right? Like most things have come gone and been forgotten at this point when it comes to a lot of just, you know, I think as gamers in general, we have ADD, you know, the new game's always on the horizon, the the new book's always on the horizon. So for it to have its staying power as long as it has, um, the, the last couple years, they've started to do like return twos. So now it's, hey, you remember Zendikar from the early 90s? Well, guess what? We're returning to Zendikar or we're going back to Innistrad or we're going, you know, and it's like, so I don't know if maybe they're at the end of their thought process. Uh, you know, we're in the, the remake and release, you know, era right now with not a lot of new stuff coming out. So my thought is, is maybe they feel like if you were into it, you were already there. And these are areas to try and bring in fresh blood. And that's kind of my thought. That's the only reason I think that they would do that. Like you said, they've got their lore. They've got their planeswalkers. They've got, you know, their style of doing things. I'm just curious if maybe that, you know, hasn't ran dry, uh, with the next generation of players. Okay. It just felt weird. Like, I don't know. It felt like the yeah. Spider-Man thing with Disney and Sony 
where they came together to release two movies, but it's so contentious because they're both trying to make as much money as they can. So it's just like, right. I mean, is you get the the random crossover with Batman and you know Wolverine, yeah. and you're like, I mean, I'm down. Don't get me wrong, I'm excited, but why are we doing this? Like, yeah, I mean, and this is from an outsider's perspective, so it just yeah. seemed strange to me. I think it's dope. I'm into it, but uh, yeah, from a from a player standpoint, I, I don't think there's like any of these things of like, oh, I can't wait to play with this card. Um, there's not anything, you know, like there's not this set or there's not this color. There's not in that For me, it's mostly just I really want to see some of the artwork. I want to see how they do. Um, but my first thought for me wasn't I can't wait to play with this stuff. Mine was more of like I would see a legendary creature and, you know, the king of Gondor. Like, I think that'd be cool to have, you know, or something like that. For me, it was a collector's mentality first. Okay. Uh, Onyx Path. Patrick says, not a lot going over at Onyx Path. Uh, I'm sure they're busy, but he hasn't heard a lot of news. He did get his backer copy of Cults of the Blood God this week, but he hasn't had a chance to read through it. They're looking at doing that soon. Uh, no update on the next Kickstarter. Um, as for game companies who intend to follow, there just isn't a lot of news right now. I did see a free adventure for Star Trek Adventures over at Modifius, but not a lot else, um, which... I'm trying to think, you know, I know from a video game standpoint, we talked about uh, the Baldur's Gate thing. Uh, I know Final Fantasy XIV uh, did put out their stuff for their next uh, expansion, as long as a new class called Endwalker. Uh, I don't, I have not been able to get into that MMO, but it's another one of the ones where if you ever get a chance just to sit down and watch the cinematics, uh, they do some pretty fun trailers. Um and, and that was enjoyable. Uh, World of Warcraft as the Burning Crusade coming out uh, June 1st. So they're re relaunching their classic second expansion. Um, and then also, oh. what else? What else? What else? Elder Scrolls Online has an expansion coming out June 1st. And then I believe uh, one of the Ashes of Creation or New World has a beta coming out June 1st. So I think they're all kind of competing for that slot right now of who's going to draw the most attention over that week. Okay. How, how is World of Warcraft re-releasing like an old expansion? Um, okay, so <laughs> I, I am a, I'm a real sucker for this stuff just because, so I was a huge EverQuest kid. Uh, if I had the time to dedicate to it and the understanding, I would still play EverQuest. And every now and then I jump into it for about two, three months, probably once a year. And it's because it was my first game, right? I started playing when I was 16. I got my first job because of it to pay for my subscription. Uh, it triggers all of the boxes for me of going back in time, right? It's still the perfect game when it's not, you know, it's, it's not for me. Um, and so I think that's where what's kind of started it, right? So they started doing uh, time lock progression servers in EverQuest. And it is, okay, for the next, you know, for the first three months, we're going to release the first expansion. Once you guys kill all the bosses in the first expansion, two to three weeks after that, we'll have a vote. And if the whole server votes, we'll move on to the next expansion and unlock it. So if you missed out on Classic, you know, and I know there's a lot of people, I think Patrick would be somebody, I think he joined at like the third or fourth expansion and never got to play the first one. So you want to go back and see what classic was like, uh, what you missed, what the original game was like, here's your chance. And so that's one of those where it's going back and letting people do that. 
uh, Lord of the Rings does that stuff as well, where they'll do special servers that they slowly unlock the game. But that's that's kind of what they do is they found that they have the old game files. Uh, and again, the game is what, 13 years old, 10 to 13 years old now. Completely different game now than it was back when it first launched. But that's so that's what they do. They take the old game files, they open up a server, you make a new character uh, and you play through it as it was 10 years ago. That seems insane. It's kind of like, well, it's kind of like Mass Effect Legendary Edition, right? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you I know, mean, it makes sense, but I just, I, here we've redone, we've remastered, go experience it again in its perfect form. And that's what they're doing now. So again, no, we are in the, what the realm of remake, right? So that's yeah, no original ideas. We're just tapping into what was old, good and best, uh, touching it up and reshipping it. So, but it's, super popular people loved it uh i again same thing do not have the time to put into it uh because yeah. it did i remember taking me weeks to level through like level 40 to 45 <laughs> like you know back in the day it was just one of those things so wow yeah uh, it does not appeal to me but that sounds it sounds very interesting that they would be able to just redo everything yep yeah like, just create a server without all the new content and just for that sounds fascinating i can't i don't know and i think that's the thing too of like uh the you know the third expansion for world of warcraft was arguably one of the best ever which was the wrath of the lich king expansion uh i know multiple people that i play with uh like for them, that was the peak. That was their best gaming experience of their life. When that comes out, they will probably leave live and go back and play it just because of nostalgia, because they loved it. That's when they had the most fun, whether it's whether you had the, the most time to put in or it had the best raids um, to go back and experience that again. So it just seems like, could you imagine like the NFL just being like, okay, guys, we're going to go back to the rule set of 1955 and the equipment? We, and then after a couple seasons, we'll ask, and then if everyone's cool with it, we'll go to the rule set that we played with in the 60s. See which one we like, and we'll work our way through the history of the sport. Well, you know, every now and then we get throwback uniforms, right? We have we have yeah. take-me-back days, and all of a sudden they're in their hideous old uniforms or their amazing old uniforms. And so, again, nostalgia sells, right? Okay, I mean, yeah. that's the goal. I haven't – you haven't – ever played world of warcraft you've heard me talk about it they're launching in classic realm you can go see what it was like back then they hook in you know a hundred thousand people for one month at fifteen dollars and then they never touch it again that was you know a hundred thousand people that weren't ever going to touch the game to begin with so yeah and they've already done all the work too it's there yeah just let's throw it out there it's like the avengers going back to the movies right <laughs> like we've all yeah. seen it a hundred times but it's been, you know, a few years since I've seen it in film with movie theater popcorn. Let's go back and do it again. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> wow, that is insane. That blows my mind. It it does really well, shockingly. And again, if there's games that you haven't played, I did it with Lord of the Rings because I played at launch and then got really into World of Warcraft and then play like the second, third, fourth expansion. So when they had a time-paced server, I went back and again... Most of it's just because of, you know, you can go back and do that stuff, but it's like 
you're level 100 in a level 10 area and you're one-shotting everything, right? You can solo all those raids, but you don't feel the the grind and the, the the gratification of you know 20 other people coming together to kill the same boss and that's that, yeah. that's the hook i mean now that makes sense because even though like they remade final fantasy 7 that doesn't mean i can't go back and play the original you know like warts and all like poor translation and all i can go do that but for an mmo you can't yeah, like you just said, like I can't go back and play like the first expansion if I'm just playing. Yeah, and get the feel for it. And you know, most games you can go back, you can go back and do it and see it. But at that point, power scaling is, again, you know, you're a level fifteen adventure in D and D, and the barmaid asks you to take out rats in the cellar, and you're just like, you look at them basically, and they die. There, it, yeah. it isn't the same thrill of like remember the time we almost died to three rats in the cellar? Holy smokes! Yeah, that makes sense. That Jeez. looks like all we had for news. We could probably ramble about more, but that's what we saw. Our week, our weekly topic uh, is Player's Guide to Tolis. Uh, we mentioned this briefly in our last episode, but thought it warranted a deeper look. Um, and then I was going to say, I also did get the giant book that is Tolis last week. Uh, and for reference, uh, for people that are listening, I would say it's probably three of your normal D and D adventure campaigns, as far as size go, I took a picture of it next to uh, uh, Curse of Strahd, and it looked like it was about three of those. So it is a, a hefty book. Uh, it did have some maps in the back that I kind of briefly like slid out of the sleeve to take a picture and then quickly put back in because I know that some of them were campaign maps. Uh, and then I did sneak a uh, <laughs> a peek at some of the magical items in the game uh, and having pistols and having that kind of stuff and it made me pretty excited so i i'm looking forward to reading that one there but again topic of the week is player's guide uh this here is the opening part of the book itself uh and then there is also a download that you can pick up and print or uh, actually print on demand a guide for each of your players it has a character sheet in it and just the this is the knowledge that everybody knows in about 20 pages factions people of interest what's happening, uh, a brief overview of the history, um, and just kind of some some just general idea of every player would know so you don't have to ask these questions going forward. So, Print-on-demand version, uh, good quality. Uh, again, been very impressed with everything that they've put out. Um, so far anyway uh zach did you get a chance to read through some of it and which areas got your attention i have been i've just been going um top to bottom trying to get to the player's handbook and then of course or the player's guide but then you kind of have to skip around once you realize there's four pages just of random city factions full of just people with their own agendas doing their own things that just live in the city I yeah, I was gonna say that's uh, I like the little side notes that you get in here too that are from Money Cook, um, yeah. and little things of the people in there. Uh, I I know this is gonna sound weird, but it reminded me a lot of kind of a combination. Well, it, it reminded me a lot of Sword Art Online, um, 
and, and very much as this as if Sword Art stole some of their ideas. You know, Giant Spire that you you know kind of overshadowed the city where the entire uh, area itself is working towards. You know, I don't know. I guess it is kind of like just an adventures hub. I. It is shocking how many influences I was able to find when yeah. I was like thinking back. Um, there's I watched this anime on Crunchyroll and it's awful. Don't do it. Maybe it wasn't on Crunchyroll. I think it's straight up called. Is it wrong to pick up girls in the dungeon? Yep. It's shit. It is. It. I tell you uh, what. As a, as a side note of that one, I did watch it. Yeah. It's a city with a dungeon underneath and a massive spire in the very middle. Yep. Yeah. I, I Okay, so along those lines, I think that's the biggest thing about those animations is once you can get past everything wiggling, right, and everything being over the top when it comes to boob size of the people, it's actually a solid story, right? Like the gods are influencing the area. Adventurers go out and they build fame. I mean, it's a dungeon crawling movie where the whole world is based around sending adventurers in. Uh, yeah. The monsters actually take out. I mean, it's a good story once you can get past the jiggle. <laughs> yeah. It was just, I was just like reading through this and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Ex that was exactly my thought. This is literally sort out online and picking up girls in the dungeon. Like, <laughs> is it wrong? Yep. Is it wrong? Like they stole that. Like they stole their setup straight from Tolis. Yep. And that was the thing that I was like, I was like, I had to go back and remember when this was made. I was like, there's no way like that wasn't in, you know what I mean? Like I was like, if I read this and this was a new campaign come out, I'd be like, Oh, I know what you're influenced by. Right. Yeah. So, that was, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so I, I like the idea that it's a melting pot of area, people are there to adventure, and I think everybody's cool with it. Uh, one of the descriptions they talk about in the book is uh, a thief goes through, you know, that Monty was playing with his players, a thief comes in and snags a pickpocket, and this guy's like, Okay, I'm gonna polymorph into a troll and chase this guy down, or something like that. And the player was yeah. like, Dude, you can't just turn into a monster here, and they're like, Dude, it's Tolus. These people have seen this before. It's fine. Like, you know, and like, I, I was like, yeah, okay, let's, let's, let's live in a world where, uh, it's normal. Magic is normal. It's, it's no different than, you know, for us in Wyoming seeing a horse, right. Or an elk or yeah. a deer, right. Like, it's just like, yep. Wildlife. It happens here. It's magic, uh, monsters, minotaurs, uh, orcs. Uh, you know, I, I like that. I don't like the. <laughs> That way you can open up the manual and play what you want to play and just be like, you got a good story to be here? Yep. Cool. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, just the fact, one, it being, you know, 700 pages long and 700 pages dense kind of leads to a lot, but it kind of has blown me away just how developed it is. You can feel it. Like yeah it's, it is it's a world that takes the mechanics of third edition dungeons and dragons very seriously i feel like where it feels like monty cook and the other people who are developing the game system were like here are the mechanics that we have and here's the world that we have and then they tried to like mesh them together and I think you can feel both the influence 
on third edition that they were developing on the world, but I feel like I can feel the world's influence on third edition. I know that it feels like, and even just looking through the the player's guide, when it gets to like, uh, it shows an example of a map uh, called Delver Square, and it's literally you know uh, like eight houses in this little circle here, and it's kind of a little shopping center. Um, but I I imagine it's one of those things of I'm sitting down at a table and I tell you, well, there's a bunch of houses and shops, and like, well, the first house on the left, who's there? And I'm like, uh, this is this is the bull and bear armory and this is where you get arm you know what i mean and like i'm taking yeah. notes down real fast it's like okay cool we'll check that out next what's next i'm like god damn it they didn't even walk in okay ne next to it is the ghostly minstrel uh it's an inn alehouse so like oh okay we'll we'll go you know so it it feels yeah. lived in it feels like you know your players yeah. are like okay well he's gonna go to that place i'll go to this place i'll go to this place and and in some ways having to take notes and did a really good job of remembering what was there um and i yeah. i like that that's one of the things of it didn't want stuff getting in your way. So it basically says, hey, as long as it's under 100,000 gold, you can probably find it. Um, there are people, you don't want to use that magic item. Okay, go sell it or go trade and barter it for a couple other ones, depending on rarity. We can identify, we can give it value, trade it out. Like, who cares? You know, like, let's, let's not magic get in the way of, you're a polearm master, that's what you want to play. You find three great swords, sorry about your luck, versus, well, go, buy a polearm like what are you doing let's play the game yeah there's definitely three knights out there that would love three great swords <laughs> right like you can find a noble family it yeah if yeah it does so the, feel like it feels like a world where the creators were like trying to get yeah get everything out of the way like this is not we need this to happen so we can test Right. So yeah. it's like, I, we, let's not get bogged down in this stuff. Like if you need it, you find it, you might cost you something. It might have a hurdle. You might piss somebody off along the way, but that's just for good story. Let's not have that be, you want to be a boomerang fighter. Well, there's no boomerangs in curse of Strahd. Like you're going to have a bad time, you know, Yeah. cool. Let's find you a boomerang and let's go do what we're supposed to do. Yeah. There are no magical weapons for a monk's. In Curse of Strahd, except for one, and after you use it twice, it dissolves. Right. Yeah, no, uh, I I feel like it's for especially for players, I feel like it's a world. I feel like it was designed for like second edition sensibilities, pre-Baldur's Gate sensibilities, where it's like, what are you doing? It's like, dude, you're here to get gold. Right? Like you people are people come here for a reason. It's an adventure. Are, yeah, you are an adventurer that hatched out of an adventurer egg, and all you feel is lust for blood and gold, right? You're and you're in a city where everybody wants to help you do that. Yeah, just like, you know, instead of like what I would, I think, happened later on, especially 5th edition, but like Baldur's Gate style, Neverwinter Night style, where it's like, no, you are heroes. You have a storyline progression. There are villains. It's like a three-act structure. You know, go on a Lord of the Rings-style adventure. Whereas I feel like in older editions, it's just like, dude, go into the dungeon Diablo-style and kill things until they drop magic items. Yep. And then Eventually, you're out. going to piss off the person that made those things, and they're going to come hunting you. But till then, like, you're not special. You're not chosen. You're just Joe yeah. Bob, adventurer for hire. Yeah, 
like I can only imagine like people being like, "What's my motivation?" and the dungeon master being like, "They're like, dude, you want gold? Get paid, make a name, yeah. like, yeah, kill what shit. motivates Get people? Paid." And so yeah. I feel like I feel like Tolis is right on, like right in the middle of that. Like on one side, it's like it's a city, and it's like, yeah, man, like the city is here for like to give you stuff that you need to go delving. And like underneath is like, at least at the start, it feels like the underneath and the spire were more important. But over time, they have filled it out so much that there's so much information that you can have, you know, a three-act structured storyline adventure in in the city. Like, I don't well, see why your dungeon master can't be like, yep, someone's got to go to the top of the spire or the world is destroyed, you know, and you yep. you are unlucky enough that it's got to be you. Well, I think that's the, again, I always like that idea that, you know, either you've run out of stuff to do, you got bigger fish to fry, or again, you you messed up, fix it, right? And And so this feels like, this feels like, okay, Lord of the Rings happens. The Dark Lord's destroyed. It's been seven to eight hundred years later. Yeah. Almost everybody's forgotten about it. And you accidentally are dumb enough to build around, you know, Morgus Mor or Minas Morgul or something like that. And, right. you know, there's some bad juju here, but that was a long time ago. This is a relic. We just kind of ignore it. You know, you're bound and determined to accidentally awaken or set something up or somebody somewhere is pissed off plotting, you know, like, uh, you know, one of the factions that I was reading through here, and there are a lot of factions that I really like, um, the Sisterhood of Silence was one that caught up with me a lot. Um, and it is a all-female order calling it the Sisterhood of Silence. Uh, it is kind of a law and defense enforcer group, not not legally or technically speaking, but they show up and, and, and shut people down. They do not speak and they take with them a eunuch who does all the talking for them. Uh, but they are just kind of enforcers. And I think that was the kind of the thing of like, okay, this is, um, you know, because magic is everywhere, there are things used to it, right? There's a bar fight, the local dude show up, uh, you yeah. are casting, uh, friendship on the guy to get a better deal you're gonna get your pee, pee slapped like it's a big deal like okay we have these things of you know again using magic is no different than using uh, a gun right we're not going to go in and barter for a better deal at gunpoint and expect things just to go our way so right. uh, i i like yeah. that there's like this hierarchy of people show up to put you in your place yeah yeah some of the factions are great i think my favorite is the brotherhood of redemption which will if you take an evil monster captive and you bring it to them, they'll just take it and be like, yeah, like we're going to try our best to redeem it. And yeah. I, and pay you for it. <laughs> and we'll pay you for it. I just love like some of these factions. It just feels like one player was like sitting at the table and they were just like, Hey man, I know that we just like captured this manticore and that it's kind of a monster, but it's helpless and defenseless, and I feel like killing it would be evil, and having whoever was DMing just be like, uh, you could take them too, and then like quickly pretends to check notes while he thinks, and he's like, uh, Brotherhood of Redemption, they'll take any monster, and they'll pay you for yep. it. And the, and the player's just like, cool. 
yeah, cool. I like this guy. I like this place. And I think that is the line too of like, how often do we have something? We capture something and we're just like, okay, what do we do with it now? And it's like, right. You just turn into local authorities and hope it works out, you know, or whatever. Like you just kind of brush past a little bit. Now it's like, you could be a bounty hunter. You have a contact, you know where to go. This is all good stuff for you. Right. Like you just like I can just feel like being like a paladin of redemption, going to adventures and be like, okay, but here's the thing. I want you to try and take them alive as much as possible. And then we will take them to the Brotherhood of Redemption. And one, you'll get paid. Two, we will try and redeem these evil creatures. Yeah. Because yeah. I've played a character that didn't kill deliberately to mess up the party. And it did. Like I yeah, I feel I, like there's just so many options with just just this one faction. Right. And I think it opens up, like you said, uh, an opportunity to play again. I, I think you can play what you want. And there's yeah. a spot for you here. You know, I think it is one of those things of, again, somebody's like, OK, you know, I want to be, a you know, a tiefling, whatever. And, you know, this and this and this. And it's like, OK, well, you're probably going to be around this area this person here who is also a demon that lives here on earth that runs the fallen district. Like this is going to be your spot. You've got a home, you know? Okay. Well, I want to be an ace. Cool. Well, there happens to be a half angel who lives over here. You've got a home. Oh, I don't kill people. Hey, you got a home. Do you not understand the thing? You got a home. What do you want to play? We'll find you a spot. Yeah. I mean, if you were just to go through the factions and be like, I am an ex, whatever, just look, it seems strange to say, just limit yourself to that. Look at a faction, be a person that got kicked out of these factions. And yeah. you have maybe you have 20 options, 20 options for that character. And that's just background. Yeah, you could, you like, could be kicked out. You could be wanting to join them. You could be right? admire. You know what I mean? Like I, the one of the things I was thinking of was like, uh, there's fate weavers who are like, I've, I've been on a mood where I want to play a mind mage, like a psychic or something like that. Like, Hey, you, this is your goal, or this is, this is why you adventure. You want to join the Knights or you want to, you know, so I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the map was additionally, I knew it was a big city. Um, it's a really big city. It's a big city. I thought it fascinating that right at the base of the spire is the noble district. Right. <laughs> which, which I guess, I mean, is that that's pretty brave, but I suppose if you were, you know, again, the conquering hero, you know, whatever he builds his house next to the, you know, what he accomplished. There you go. Yeah. I mean, also it's tall, it's higher up than all the others. And that's always more looking down on the peasants, right? down on peasants. Also the spire is just huge. Yeah. It, it quotes it at being somewhere over 3000 feet tall. Yeah. And like just in diameter, it's massive. Like the, it's about as wide as the city is. And then it goes straight up. It's you definitely can't ignore like, it. I think it was like a tower, you know? Right. Wow, it's like, uh, it does a good job of giving us a timeline of the history, which again is very, again, I felt, I felt the Lord of the Rings vibe, Dark Lord, Spire spreads out his tendrils, the free free races kind of push back and end it. Um, a, second, a second one shows up, and he can only he only gets halfway up the tower. Right. Um, 
I I like the excuses and uh, reasons for the races being in some of these spots too. The uh, couple of different factions of dwarves, the stone lost dwarves, um, who were dwarves that were pushed out of their ancient home. Again, another great adventuring hook as to why that place was sealed gives you a reason to go underground. Uh, the other dwarves I really enjoyed were uh, more tech-based, which I thought was great. They were like, you know what, that's in the past. We're going to look towards firearms and, and science. Um, they talked about elves and halflings being an offshoot, or halflings and gnomes being an offshoot of elves, which I thought was a fantastic thing, which is gnomes kind of seem to gravitate more towards the elven side of science and magic, uh, whereas the halflings uh, really don't want anything to do with it and kind of gravitate more towards humans. Um, but I thought that was a nice, interesting take on the races. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's just it's deep. Mm -hmm. You can tell that you can tell that they spend a lot of time developing this. The uh, it does go into again. It goes into the races. Uh, talks about some naming and stuff like that of of the timeline, uh, the building structures of so you can get that medieval feel. Um, there is a section in here on backgrounds that would make sense for Tolis's realm. Uh, I like that it comes with contacts and it also tells you kind of what your home district would be. So that way, if it is one of these things of, if you want to be a squire to a person in the noble quarter, you probably haven't, you've, you've traveled those, pl the other places in the town, but this is kind of your home. So it gives you a chance to kind of really hunker down and become an expert on that area. Yeah, it mentions that the city is so large that there are parts of the city that many individuals who've lived there their whole lives have not gone to. Like, even if you just, like, live in the lower ward, it's doubtful you've ever been to both the dock. I think it's called the Warren is, like, the shady part of town and the nobles district. That you have people who've lived their entire lives and they've never gone to... The noble. I assume it's like people who live in New York who grew up in the Bronx and never went to Queens or the Manhattan or Manhattan. Can't remember. I was trying to see what <laughs> the size of the city was. It something like seven hundred thousand people or something. I think it said it's like seventy five thousand people. Seventy five thousand. Yeah, I was gonna say seven hundred is way too many. Too much. Yeah. So there is a lot of bodies here. Um, and again, like you said too, you know, some of those districts and stuff like that, like whether it is the, uh, the Warrens or the temple district, you probably have little reason to go there for certain characters, um, or certain people. It's just, you know, I go docks and I go home and, and shoot, it's probably even that way for most people. Right. I usually go to work and I come home and that's what I see most of the time. And every now and then I go to the other end of town, right. To see Walmart or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, let's see here. One thing that I did notice in here that I really enjoyed, uh, again, there's a lot of that and I'll say that over and over was, uh, uh, spells in this world. They talk about, uh, necromancy is frowned upon. Obviously we don't like bringing dead uh, into the city cause it just is, you know, kind of not the best way to do it, but they have blessed children for spirits for your clerics. So that way, if you decided to go down that path and you want to speak with not necessarily the dead, but you can choose to speak with blessed children. And what these are, are spirits of the unborn. And I thought that was, a, they're, they're good. They're just basically children that have not been born yet that you who have 
tapped into extra information out there that's in the cosmos and someday there'll be a child and born and it's totally a good spirit. It's just, I don't know. It was, it was one of those things like, that's a really cool take on it. Um, and if you are a cleric that wants to speak with unnatural things, you don't have to, you can talk to blessed children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. It's not just simply stock standard fantasy land. Um, because we can all play like you can pull up whatever. Uh, the dragon adventure from 5th edition. Wrath of the Dragon? Horde of right. the Dragon Queen? Mm-hmm. Where like I think it's so railroaded that like it doesn't even have to take place in the realms in the Forgotten Realms. It's just like stock standard fantasy land and then there's some dragons show up. Where and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's like some weirdness here. There's some weirdness in Tolis. It's you got a stupid city built around a gigantic spire straight up into the sky, and no one knows what's up there. You have people running around town like it's on a technological downgrade. You now have technology that people are just like, Why would I bother to learn how to use? You know, like they had skyships, they had airplanes, and people are just like, Who cares? as people forget how to use them. It's got depth, it's got history, and it's weird. And I almost wish that there was just straight up more weirdness. Well, I think that's what I'm like. Yeah, like you said, the city itself is doing its thing. The factions are doing its thing. You can run into just about any species. I know they were talking about like even like uh, Ratman, you know, you want to play something like that. Go ahead. You know, yeah. they just kind of ignore you. They've seen it. They've done it. Uh, you can do what you want. The the stuff below ground is every bit as um, strange and wild as things are going to be in the spire. Um, there are factions at play. There are plenty of adventure hooks, um, and a lot of stuff is still unknown. I mean, it's you know, it is this adventure hub, and this is what people do, but it's it's still in its infancy. It hasn't, everything hasn't been plundered yet. So there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, yeah. I, I think one of the things that they used to describe it was something along the lines of um, there's a lot of light in the world. There's some shadow, but that shadow hasn't taken over yet. Uh, you yeah. know, so, so a lot of the evil that we see, you know, kind of from the town and stuff like that itself is power plays and greed and politics, you know, still, um, you get underground and you might see some stuff that is a lot bigger that the people on the surface have no idea. They're not prepared for. Um, and then the spire itself, who knows what is going to be awakened, uh, once you get to that point. Yeah. Someone called the ghoul like made it made it halfway up and was able to transform themselves into some sort of dark lord whose tendrils threatened the whole world and he only got halfway up yeah it's yeah and there's i feel like it is everything that a dungeon master needs just here in the player's guide not even the rest of it to come up with a campaign like you're saying, there's politics. You want a political game? There's 12 houses 
there's an empire that nominally is in control of Tolis, and then there's the Tolis Council that actually runs it. You mm-hmm. have you've got political tension right there. You know, you want to have one of the noble houses start attacking the others, like and in some sort of like house war. You've got a campaign there. You want the empire to come and try and exert more control. You've got a political campaign there. Or you can ignore all that. There's several religions. You can have religious conflict. You can have just monsters come out of the spire. There's so much to do here. Yeah, you can. You. It feels like a good. Um, I don't know. I in the the thirty pages I got out of the player's guide, I felt like I got just as much as I got out of uh, like the Sword Coast Adventures handbook. Um, mm-hmm. It this doesn't have the detail of each region and the population because it is all one city. Um, but you know, I, I like I said, I, I felt like I got just as much there, ready to sit down and play. Um, I also, for me, it feels like we pick up like Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Um, I want to play through. I want to see it. I want to beat it. I want to, you know, I want to know the story, right? You want to, you want to be on that roller coaster ride of seeing what happens. Same with that. With Tolis, I don't want to beat the game. Uh, I want no. to stay and play for a while. I want my character to be from there, and I don't. I do want to see the spire. I do want to go underground, but I don't feel like it's rush or why I'm there, right? Like I don't feel like that's the hook. I don't feel like that's the. I don't know for me anyway, and it it, it, it probably could change as motivation change and stuff like that. But again, it's just one of those things of I just want my character to be from there. I want to sit down. I want to play. I want to get involved. I want to have some shenanigans happen, um, and you know, kind of retire back at the uh, the tavern for a pint at the end of the day. You know, I mean, it just kind of has that yeah. feel of like, I guess we'll go to work today and see what we can see, and eventually it's going to work into something bigger. And yeah, we'll find some things that are stronger, and we'll have hardships, and bad things are going to happen. But yeah. I don't get that feeling from the start where it's like, oh, it's called Curse of Strahd. This is going to be bad. Yeah. I feel like depending on what kind of DM you are um, and what kind of, and if you had the players that wanted to do this, like you said, I just want to be there. I think you could do that. Like just in the player's guide, it has all the information. I think a DM really needs to just riff, just be like, all right, all four of you, you just got to, you're just on your way to Tolis. You're making your way to the big city and just be like, you got to make a living. You got to survive the city. Like people move into New York City from small towns where it's like, it's so different. It's an or, episode of Friends, right? Like, right, here we yeah. go. Or Los Angeles or you know, we, Chicago. We all meet at the coffee shop and have coffee and became friends. But during the day, we got other shit going on. Yeah, like you have other things. Um, I think it'd be great for a West Marches style campaign where the I can DM, see it. it's just like, hey, you guys tell me what you want to do, and you go pick the other players that you want to do with this. You can't pick the same players twice, right? And you had, you know, 10, 12, 15 players, each of whom once a week has to come up with something that they are trying to do in this world, just in the city, just be like, Look, man, like I got my my sister disappeared, right? I know she came to Tolis and I got to find her. And then you got another player who's just like, that's cool, man, but I'm here to get paid. 
and both those players can play in the city. I, uh, if you're in Curse of Strahd, all of your characters have one goal, and that's to survive because it's trying yep. to kill you. Yep. And I think the, um, you know, when I was listening to them talk about it, he ran multiple groups through it. Um, and I think one group was like seven to 15 days ahead and every now and then they would kind of swap, but something weird happened in one of their games and a house got on fire in the temple district and it was a big deal. And that was one group critically failing their way through an adventure he'd wrote. And pretty soon the other group is playing through a thing of like, there's this giant fire and like, while like that other group did their thing. The other people were like trying to put out the fire and save stuff like at the different, you know, and it's like, this is, this feels like one of those worlds of, like you said, here's the blank slate. Here you go. And I'm going to run three groups through this, or I'm going to, all my games are going to be in this world or whatever. And I'm going to take notes and along the timeline. Um, and every time I play this game or whatever, you know, that fire is going to happen from now on, or, you know, you could, you can have the players alter it or whatever. Like, Hey, listen, you guys, you know what? Some beasts came up from the ground. Uh, another group, you know, took care of it really fast. A, a or collection of gigantic spires, and if you make it to the top, you get special abilities. And I think that's you know, again, with the hodgepodge of this area or whatever. Too, I mean, you really could. I think the only hard part would be is um, getting everybody on the same page to go out together. And I think that takes a little bit on the player side of thing. But like you said, that's that that very easily, you know, I I could see that, right? I'm I'm here because my sister came here and we haven't heard from her in two weeks. Well, I like to get paid. So if that's the case, uh Hey man, help me find my sister. Anything yeah. we find along the way, because I know that she went down there. Right. You help me find her. Anything you find is yours. Uh let's see I, here. Yeah. Yeah, I and think I th- for whatever it was to print on demand, $20. Yeah, I think it's, I know it's a little pricey, but just one of these would give a DM or a player enough to play in the world, I think. Yeah, and I, again, the the little player's guide at the back has your own little character screen or sheet. You can write down stuff. I don't know how it erases. I'm curious to see how that does, but again, you can also just print uh, those pages from a PDF as well and have them an update. But uh, I like that. I like that all players get it. Um, I don't know. Great product. I'm looking forward to diving into the big book a lot more. But that's, I mean, kind of our ramblings of our enjoyment of uh, a player's guide to Tolos. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's where we'll, I think it's well worth the investment. So I'm looking forward to playing in the world, that's for sure. And again, it's one of those things of usually I'm like, okay, I want to get loot. Uh, I want to be a hero. I want to do that stuff in here. I just kind of want to exist and see what happens. And that's. From the big book, though, I did see a thing. Of course, Patrick's not here to hear about it, but there is a magical weapon that's very rare called the Flare Pistol. Rather than a dragon's head, this plus one dragon pistol, which, again, apparently there's a dragon pistol, so I'm already on board, uh, has a tentacled head at the end of its barrel. As your bonus action, you can command it to fire a psionic bullet that inflicts an additional 2d6 psychic damage. 
Once you use this property, you cannot do so again until you finish your short rest. Um, they know there was dragon pistols. I was excited to see firearms. I'm also excited to see magic. And it is a large section of magic. Yeah. Sounds like someone took a mind flare, ripped its face off, and was like, it's a gun now. Um, yeah, it, in the big book, there are it's uh, um, some new domains. Um, so I want to look through some of the classes for maybe a future one as well. It's-